Open your Bibles to the book of Exodus, chapter 30. Exodus chapter 30. You pray for Nancy and me. Uh, we've been having a little difficulty at the house. I've been losing things. And uh, she's been losing things. And she come in and she accused me of being a thief. And I've been accusing her of being a thief. I think she's been taking things and I can't find them. So, I know I would not steal anything that Nancy has. But anyhow, just pray for us that we'll keep unity in our home. And we'll find all the stuff that somebody's come in and stole. Used to be a dog coming and got it. Now it's somebody outside coming in and stealing stuff from our house. I'll get him one of these days. I'll probably slap myself in the face. Let's stand together for the reading of the Word of God. I left off talking about this, about fresh oil. How many times in my life and how many times in your life as a Christian that sometimes we, we may say it <coughs> and sometimes we probably think we know what we mean. I'm not sure if I know what I mean sometimes about it. But it does say in Psalms 92, uh, I will have fresh oil. I need fresh oil. And the oil is a symbol of the Holy Spirit of God. And all the way back in the Old Testament, there are some illustrations that point toward that fact. Let me get my throat clear here just a minute. Psalms 30, I mean, Exodus 30, verse 23. In all the process of building and constructing the tabernacle and the Ark of the Covenant and all the furniture and all the things that went with that, as the children of Israel were going through the wilderness and God was preparing them for the days of worship and offering a sacrifice and so forth and all the lessons that He was going to teach them, He comes down to this verse 23. Let's read verse 22. Moreover, the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Moreover, the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Take thou also unto thee principal spices, a pure myrrh, underscore the word myrrh, 500 shekels, that's about 12 and a half pounds, of sweet and sweet simonin, simonin, sweet, C-I-N-N-A-M-O-N, Say that word for me, please. Simon. You all got it right. That's about, I take about a half of 12, about six and so many pounds. Even 250 shekels. And of sweet calamus, 250 shekels. And of cassia, 500 shekels. After the shekel of the sanctuary. And of the oil, olive, and hen. And thou shalt make it an oil of holy ointment, an ointment compound about the art of the apocryphy. It shall be an holy anointing oil. I underscored that phrase, holy anointing oil. And thou shalt anoint the tabernacle, the congregation therewith, and the ark of the testimony, and the table, and all the vessels, and the candlestick, and vessels, and the altar of incense, and the altar of burnt offerings with all the vessels, and the laver and his foot, and thou shalt sanctify them, 
that they may be most holy. Whatsoever toucheth them shall be holy. And thou shalt anoint Aaron and his sons and consecrate them that they may minister unto me in the priest's office. <clears throat> and thou shalt speak unto the children of Israel, saying, This shall be an holy anointing oil unto me throughout your generations. Upon man's flesh shall it not be poured, neither shall you make any other like it, after that the composition of it, it is holy, and it shall be holy unto you. May God add his blessings to the reading of the word of God. Father, as we look at the description today and the ingredients of this oil that was made in days gone by, years gone by, in the construction of and in the installation of the worship of God in the wilderness, and the tabernacle and the furniture and all the priests and all the fanfare and all the things that took place. There was a reason for all of that, and we know there was a lot of symbolic language in the Old Testament that's fulfilled in the New Testament. And we believe tonight that the Holy Ghost of God is given to us here in descriptive form to help us to understand how we're supposed to be as Christians. I pray, God, you'll anoint us afresh with the power of the Holy Spirit. May each of us have the anointing not only upon our mouth, but upon our ears to be able to hear, be able to understand a little better the truth of God. And Father, we'll thank you for it. In Jesus' name and for his sake, amen. may be seated. I want us to take the words that's found here in this passage, beginning of verse 23, starting with the word myrrh. Put the word myrrh down. Outside the word myrrh, once you put the word hurts, H-U-R-T-S, myrrh-hurts. I'll come back to it in just a moment. When you get down to the word cinnamon, what's that word again? Cinnamon. Cinnamon. Put dash holiness. Holiness. When you get down to the word calamus, C-A-L-A-U-M-S, dash helper. Helper. Then you get down to the word cassia, put the word humility. And then when you get down to olive oil, put the word happiness. God has a purpose for everything He does. As a matter of fact, He said don't use it for anything else except for anointing something to be holy, to be sanctified, to be set apart for the master's use. God uses the word holy a lot in the Bible. If you want to get anything out of the book of Leviticus, just circle the word holy and see how many times He does. When you read the book of Exodus, see how many times He emphasized the thing called holiness and how holy He is. And sometimes He talks about His own holiness but he emphasized the concentration. So when he's talking about the holy oil, the pure holy oil of God, he's talking about that which has been consecrated for a purpose. It's been set apart. There's two words, one in the Hebrew language. I jotted these down, one's in the Greek language. Let me turn right back here and look and see if I still have them. The word M-A-S-H-A-C-H, mashash, in the Hebrew language. It means to rub, smear with oil, to cover or to consecrate, to consecrate. It means to dedicate to God, dedicate. You come to the Greek language, it's the word chiro, C-H-I-R-O. It means simply to anoint or to cover over. And the whole message, the oil, represents and presents to us the Holy Spirit of a holy God in the New Testament. Consecration, cleanse, set apart, 
holy, sanctified in the presence of God. I said last week there's three words that I need in my life that comes from the Heavenly Father. I need the Heavenly Father's presence in my life. Moses said, I won't go with I won't go if you don't go before me in your presence. And God did that in Shekinah glory, the cloud by day and the fire by night. The glory of God was with them all the way through the wilderness. And that was God leading them step by step and day by day and hour by hour. God was with them all the way. He was in the presence of the Lord when Moses took off his shoes, being on holy ground. He was in the presence of the Lord. We sing a song sometimes about being on holy ground. Can you think of any place that's holy to you, that's holy ground? I take you to Cranberry, West Virginia. If I knew the, the geography, not geography, but the layout of the new building they have there and try to go to a certain place, there's a holy spot in Cranberry Baptist Church. If I could go there tonight and find exactly where it's at, where I knelt and asked Jesus Christ to be my Savior, that's a holy spot. It may be a time when you rededicated your life and you can go back there in your mind. It's a holy spot. And there are certain places that become special days. Every day is a good day. Every day is a precious day. But there's some days just holy. And God sets it aside for a purpose. And I need to be in the presence of God. I said number two, I need the Father's promises. Just raise your hand right quickly. If you quote a promise to God every day or regularly, there's a promise that you live and die by that's precious to you. Somebody got a promise you live by that you like? Miss Tina, what is it? I promise the Lord to stay in His Word so when I die, it will carry on in the next generation. Amen. Next generation will keep serving you. Praise the Lord. What's a promise in the Bible you live by? Anybody? Like I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. That's a promise. Romans 8.28. How many, how many ever used that verse? You know what it says? That's right. I mean, all things work together for good. Those that love the Lord. All things work together for good. The glory of God. And we get these promises that we live by. I said Sunday there's 33,000 promises. Somebody said in the Bible. I've never counted them. I realize all promises are not for us directly. They may be for the Jewish people. We can always make application to our life. But I need the promises of God. Standing on the promises, I cannot fail. I cannot fall. Standing on the promises of God. I need His presence to go with me, to go before me. And remember in the Old Testament, when the Holy Spirit led them, He would come upon them special times. When David was anointed to be the king of Israel as a small lad, the Bible says the Spirit of God came upon him because the oil was used to anoint kings, prophets, priests, and kings, set aside holy. Even Saul, uh, when he was anointed to be king, the Bible says and he was a man that was low, and he was low, he was humble. The Bible says little in his own sight. Saul was very little in his own sight when he first started. And the Bible says he was anointed 1 Samuel fifteen seventeen, because he was humble before God. Now he left that, but he started out right. And God anointed him to be the king of Israel also. But his first choice was David, a man after his own heart, who eventually would become the king of Israel. And we know the story. But the fact is, we need to live by the promises of God, the presence of God, and to be able to live by the power of God. So I need the presence of God. I need the what? I need the presence of God. Lord, don't leave me. Please don't leave me. You ever felt forsaken of God? Don't leave me. I need you. 
How many of you ever felt like God has left you? How many of you felt lonely sometime in your life? How many of you felt, Lord, where are you at? My darkest hour in my life, where are you at? If not now, somewhere along the way, you're going to find a dark hour in your life. You need the presence of God, the promise of God. I will never leave thee. I will never leave thee. No, never leave thee. I will go with you all the way, even to the end of this world. You get a hold of that, like Miss Tina was talking about, even for the next generation. When you come down to die and your throat's starting to rattle and you know it's just a matter of time and if you're not doped up, you can't think clearly. But if you're thinking clearly, you know it's just a matter of hours before you're going to leave this world. Those promises become more real. I'll never leave you. I'll go with you all the way, even to the end of this world. And he's not going to leave us on, on this side. He'll go with us to the other side also. And praise the Lord for that. And thank God for his power that's available for all of us. But the Holy Spirit was not in people in the Old Testament. It was on them and often came upon them. But they anointed them oftentimes for positions of authority, prophet, priest, or king, or some particular item of furniture, a particular thing to anoint it for a particular purpose to be sanctified in the eyes of God. Now let's go back to the ingredients. The description in chapter 30, verse 23. Take thou also the principal spices of pure myrrh. You ever heard of myrrh before in the Bible? Several times you find it. Sometimes associated usually with death. And it's bitter to start with. You're taking a bitter spice, bitter spice definition of myrrh. It says a gum resin that oozes out like a tear from a wound or an incision that's made in a lowly tree. Let me get that to you again. A gum that oozes out like a tear from a wounded, from, like a tear from a wound or an incision from a lowly tree. It speaks of death usually associated with burial, and the sweetness comes. How does it get sweet? By being crushed. Wow. You think that went through about who? The Lord Jesus Christ. And remember, all this points toward Jesus and the Christian life. The myrrh is bitter. The bitter trials. Nobody had a bitter cup more than Jesus Christ. Somebody says, boy, I've got some bitterness in my life, and I've gone through some bitter times. Nobody, nobody has ever had more bitter life than Jesus Christ. Rejected of man, full of sorrows and tears and heartaches and many trials and troubles and pain and agony, you name it, Jesus Christ went through it. And he drank the bitter cup of sin. The most terrible thing that could be happened is to drink the sin in the Garden of Gethsemane and take the cup of iniquity and drink the sin into his own body. Every dirty, filthy, vile, low-down, dirty thing you've ever done, Jesus Christ looked in the cup and did not want to drink it, but he took it into his own body symbolically and drank every sin of every individual in the world. That's terrible things to say that somebody had to do. But Jesus took our sins, he took our place, and he took our sins to the cross and nailed them there for us. But he was crushed, he was bruised. Jesus' birth, myrrh was there. What's the three things they brought? Gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Isn't it amazing? There at the early days of his life, myrrh was there. It became sweet because it had developed into being crushed already. But the myrrh was there. The bitterness and the sweetness was wrapped up together. 
What a beautiful picture of Jesus Christ over his head was written probably in, in invisible, born to die, born to die, suffering. At the same time, nobody was any more sweeter than the Lord Jesus Christ. I don't know if this is a proper way to say it, but I believe Jesus was a sweet man. Sweetest name I know is Jesus Christ. And I believe he was the kindest man that's ever walked on the face of this earth. I believe there was no bitterness, there was no gall found in his mouth, literally. But he was bitter, he was taking bitterness of the sin that people had, but he was not bitter himself toward anybody. I mean, he, he was really, he loved everybody, including the Roman soldiers, forgave them, some of them, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, uh, the potentates of the day, the kings and all the hierarchy. He loved them all. He would save any of them if they wanted to be saved. But the fact is, the Lord Jesus Christ suffered like no other man suffered. Now, the Lord wants to break us. What I want to say is relates to myrrh. The hurts that come to your life and to my life is to teach us something. My doctor today stepped out of the office for a while to go type up some instructions for me. And uh, I wasn't feeling too good. And, and I put my head down on my lamp and uh, had to thank the Lord for my pain. You know, it's, it's easy sometimes to grumble. And I find myself wanting to complain a little bit. Anybody here ever complain? Am I by myself? Every once in a while you want to grumble a little bit about your lot in life. And uh, you can't hardly be mobilized very well. When he came back, I, I said, Lord, just need, need your help. He came back and he said, he said, Mr. Pauly, you're doing well. you got a good brain. How's that, buddy? You take that to the bank. i got a good brain. He showed me my brain inside and out on MRI. Many of you have seen those before, I guess. He took me through every little crack of my brain. Not crack, it's crevice. <laughs> yeah, my brain crack is right. And he said, this is good, this is good, this is good. He compared the gray to the black, the gray to the black, where there's water on the brain and so forth and all that. This is good. And he got down here, you see this little spot right here? He said, that's your, uh, uh, what's that, uh, what's that thing you have trouble with sometimes? Thyroid, thyroid. He says, you've got a little spot in your thyroid. He says, now I've got to send you to another doctor to, to send a, put a needle in there and do a biopsy of that thyroid. He said, I don't think it's benign, I don't think there's anything wrong, but we need to check it out. I said, okay, fine. And he said, but you're doing fine. He said, uh, I'm going to give you some medicine tonight, help you with your headaches. I said, fine. And he said, I'll give you another pill. Take it. You won't take it long. But he said, I think I can help you with your stuttering. I said, I want to go back down on my knees and say, hallelujah, glory to God, speak in the unknown tongue. But if you can do that, he says, I think in three months I'll have you straighten out if you listen to me. And they say that all the time. I said, put that in writing. Because if it don't happen, I'm going to sue you. And I'm appreciative sometimes when you hurt the worst, sometimes God's getting ready to give you the best. Sometimes it's not always the best the way you want it, but the best in your life is about to come. The best people I've ever met in my life that's been the greatest blessing sometimes has been some that's hurt the most. Some people have gone through some trials and heartaches and difficulties I've not been. I can't say I know how you feel. You know, there's two words that sometimes we toss around. One is sympathy and the other is empathy. 
I can sympathize with somebody going through a problem, but I can't empathize because I've not walked in their shoes. But when I walked in their shoes, I can say I know exactly how you feel. I've been there. But I don't want to say that until I've been there because they say these words back to you, but you don't understand. And then when it comes down to it, I'll tell you somebody who does understand because the Lord Jesus was tempted at all points like as we are yet without sin. There was nothing that he was never that he never went through, went through anything, everything that you and I ever go through with. And I'm glad that Jesus knows exactly how I feel at my lowest point. He knows how I feel at my highest point. And he lets that myrrh, you get me to get some anointing oil. I need fresh oil. So that mixture's got to come together. And sometimes he puts some hurts in there to make it work better. And he gets some myrrh. You gotta crush that myrrh so it becomes sweeter from the crushing. Dying to ourselves. Dying to our agenda, dying to our dreams, dying to what we want, coming to a place that we choose to be broken. One lesson you better learn. You choose to be broken or He breaks you. I choose to be broken. I do just make the decision and He don't have to do it. But if you let the God break you, He can break you. He can bring you down about as low as you ever thought, never thought you'd go that low hurting. He can bring you down because sometimes He has to get our attention. And we're stubborn. We think we know what to do and how to do it. We think we know how to run our life. Listen, I say this kindly. You're a fool. And so am I if you think you can run your life. I don't know how. I don't know how. But I know Him. And He knows everything. He's the source of all wisdom. And wisdom is taught in the crucible of fires. Wisdom is taught in the, in the battlefield. Wisdom is taught so often when the hurting of life comes. And so you have the word hurts beside the word myrrh. Number two, what's that word? Sinners. Say it again. Y'all doing good, class. I'm going to give y'all an A. Out beside the word cinnamon, out beside S, out beside the C, I put holiness. Then I put the word righteousness. Then I put the word upright. They say it's used for flavoring. Matter of fact, my wife bought me some the other day. I've been using it. It's for flavor. What's it for? Flavory? Sugar. It's a bottle of, what's it, what is it? Cinnamon? Yeah. It's, it's a bottle of cinnamon. It's the bottle of that stuff. And it's right there beside the coffee pot. And I've been using it. I put it on everything. She gave me a boiled egg. I sprinkled cinnamon on it. I read somewhere it's good for your heart. So I'm going to be sure I got in a, I'll probably die from this thing called cinnamon, cinnamon overdose. I don't know, probably. But they say it's used for flavoring, these spices. It's, it's a used root that's erect or upright. It's erect. It's like a root standing straight up. Take a little root. It's upright. And they said, and I, of course I'm getting this from commentaries. I don't know uh, all the facts about it, but it, makes, it sounds interesting. When you're upright, you have a relationship with God. You're upright. And the fact is, you're erect with God. And then if you're right with God, you can be right with people. You know, the first four commandments are right with relationship with God. You can't be right with people until you're right with God. When you're out of source with people, you're out of source with God. Four are vertical, six are horizontal. So if I'm right with God, I'm right with my fellow man. If I'm out of sync with God, I'm out of sync with somebody around me. And if I'm out of sync with somebody over here, I'm out of sync with God. And so often it is sometimes we try to play the game. 
of you know treating somebody a certain way, not liking somebody, or almost hating somebody because they did us wrong. Well, you're going to find in life you're going to get hurt a lot of times. That brings you back to murder. Then you're going to find out what you need is some holiness of of cinnamon, cinnamon, righteousness, and uprightness used for flavoring. But what happens with life is little things can ruin the anointing of God in the mixture. You remember? Come here, Ron. <laughs> I knew there was a woman back here sneaking in, but I know there's another man sneaking in. But the fact is, the little thing can ruin the anointing. Ecclesiastes 10.1 says, Dead flies in the ointment can cause a stinking flavor. A dead fly in the ointment can cause problems. Now, whatever that may entail, you have all this good fragrant perfume in the Apocrypha, and a dead fly comes in there and dies. And after a few days, it stinks up the rest of the perfume. One little thing, little foxes, spoil the vines. It's not the big sins that gets most of us. It's not the murder and the robbery and the adultery. It's the little sins that get a hold of us, the little foxes spoil the vine. Little things can ruin the anointing of God in your life. You better check sometimes when you're going along fine and God's using you. Your life's been blessed of God and you have a good relationship with God, the upright root, the upright. You got the holiness of God. You strive to please God. You keep short sin accounts. You've been living right. Enjoy your Christianity. Listen, you better enjoy your Christianity. If you don't enjoy it, why not? He didn't make you to be a sourpuss. I mean, I, I, you mentioned this about Brother, Brother uh, Morrison. He was a happy Christian. I mean, I, I've seen him down a few times, but my soul, the guy shouted all the time. Uh, just about every, every time he came to my door, he was shouting. Not everybody does it like he does it. Some people shout inwardly, and some shout with their hands, some shout with their tears or face. But I think Christians ought to be happy Christians. And sometimes we don't look it, do we? We look like some, look, we look terrible. Now, I know we all have looks that sometimes we're down. It's on my face sometimes. Sometimes when you're hurting, you just, your face is scrunchy. But the fact is, it ought to be a happy Christian. And the Bible has the whole Sermon on the Mountain about being blessed, which means happy. Psalms 1 talks about being happy. Blessed is the man. He prospers. I mean, God gave the ingredient for success in life. And yet sometimes we forget and we have a bad attitude. Some little things crept into your life. It's robbed you of your joy. There's a lot of joy robbers. You have joy makers and you have joy robbers. It takes your joy away from you. It's joy unspeakable and full of glory. glory. Well, glory. Every once in a while you all just say, well, glory. Why don't you just try and practice one time? Well, glory. Well, glory. That's good. Well, glory. Somebody came at the funeral. I was waiting to go to the funeral yesterday morning. And I was over here apparently and somebody came in and said, Preacher, I want to tell you you got a nail in your tire. Well, I had a lot to do. And I thought, well, and so they walked by and I said, well, thank you and glory to God. And so I got in the car and took it somewhere and left it for a while. While I was there, I met several people that I didn't know, that I got to know for just a few minutes. Had somebody come and pick me up, take me back to the church. I think I did. Who come pick me up? Somebody did. I forgot where, where I was at and what I did. 
You know, sometimes it's good to lose your mind. Have a pretty good time. I was in a revival meeting in Alabama years ago with a friend of mine, Jerry Edgel. Jerry had a nervous breakdown. I'm not laughing about that. He had a nervous breakdown. And he got out of the institution he was in for a while, sort of recuperating, and started pastoring a church again. And he said, James, I want you to come preach a revival for me. And I said, well, I'll be glad to if you want me to. And he said, just remember, I'm not responsible for anything I do. I said, well, man, I don't know what to, what to come or not. But anyhow, I got back here. Not only was it a nail, it was a bolt in my tire. And so I got it fixed and, and met, like I said, met some folks and had some sweet fellowship and, and got back in plenty of time. It didn't, it didn't disrupt my schedule too much at all. But I, if I can just say that all the time, every time the trouble comes, well, glory to God. Tough to do sometimes. I've failed many times. But I'd like to say it, well, glory. Remind me when I fail. Would it be all right? Can I remind you? Everyone's going to just say, well, glory. In all things, give him praise. What does the word all mean? All, all means all. That's all. All can mean. In all things, give him thanks. In all things. That's what he says. Well, so the second word is holiness. That's the spice that went into making the olive oil, into the olive oil. The third one is calamus, C-A-L-A-U-S. Out beside that I said put the word helper, which means giving. It is a reed or a shaft like a cane. And the writers I was reading after said you're like a channel. You're sort of like this, like a little reed that water can flow through you, something can flow through you. And then the songwriter says flow through me. See, we're building a ingredients for the anointing oil fresh oil I need fresh oil upon my life I need some myrrh which is going to hurt because that's bitterness something's going to hurt me to make me better the cinnamon what's that word? cinnamon, cinnamon. I'm having trouble pronouncing that right so they've, they've helped me out they've been good good students thus far that helps gives, you know, gives a sweetness to it and helps us to realize how holy God is it comes down to being a helper Learn to give. I don't come to church to be entertained. I get so tired. I shouldn't say this. I'm debating whether to say it or not. Well, I'll come, if the Lord wants me to say it, He'll bring it back to my mind. It's about going to church and what this lady experienced. Not here, but she, anyhow. No, I'll, just, I'll stay away from that. She, I don't go to church to be entertained. I like services that are good. I like services that are lively. But it's not an entertainment center. It's a worship center. There's a big difference between the two. And worship is not on me. It's on Him. And all worship ought to go to God and praise Him in adoration. But to, to submit to Him, help her, be a giver, channel, flow through me, we don't go to be entertained. We don't go to be approved by others. Did I do a good job? What's that mean? Did I do a good job? You ever go home, and I battle both sides of this. You know, in recent days, I've gone home and said, Lord, I sure blew it today. I had to be spanked several times because of that. You did your best. You did your best. Well, I think so. Sometimes didn't feel like it. All I ask is the best you got.
Çalayar. Just give God what you got. Sometimes when you think you've done your worst, you may have done your best. Sometimes when you think you failed God, you may have pleased God. Because sometimes you think the attention's on you. It's not on you, it's on Him. Or right. oh, bring the, forth the royal diadem and crown Him King of kings and Lord of lords. All throughout eternity to be that way. Be a channel. And number four, and lastly, the case, C-A-S-S-I-A. They say the word humility. So we start out with hurts, holiness, helper, humility, which means to defer. They say it's a primary root that shrivels up when you get it. It sort of bends and bows. It's sort of like a, like a twisted root. It's like a deferent. It's, it's like saying they bow. They bow in humility to submit. Connection between humility and anointing. If I want to have the anointing of God upon my life, I've got to be humble in the presence of God. And I said Sunday, if you think you're humble, you're not humble. So I've always got to say, Lord, please let me be humble before you. Lord, anything in my life, show me. Teach me humility. If I go around bragging about my humility, I'm not humble. If you pat yourself on the back, you're not humble. Let God do the patting on the back. Let God, you esteem others higher than yourself. There's always somebody higher than yourself. I say this again about Brother Morrison, even he's in heaven. I said at the funeral, he probably passed out more tracts, gave more witness than any preacher in town, without a doubt. He puts us to shame. I mean, the guy wasn't looking for applause, wasn't looking for brag, somebody to brag on him. He just did it. I've been with him one time after time. We've talked for hours at times. The guy just wanted to witness to somebody all the time. And others are like that. They just do it. That's their nature. You're not trying to pin roses on them. Their reward is forthcoming in heaven. And the Lord, if you give a cup of water to my name, you'll not lose your reward. There's a connection between the two, and I close. In Exodus 30, you mix all those together in the olive oil, which is prevalent in that part of the country, to make it what it ought to be. It's called the oil of gladness in Hebrews chapter 1. The anointing, fruitful, associated with plenty, spiritually prosperous. The joy of the Lord is my strength. The oil of gladness makes one to shine. The oil shines. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify the Father which is in heaven. He says, give me the unction of the Holy Ghost in 1 John. He talks about the anointing of God in 1 John. New Testament. Old Testament, you don't have to do it like they did in the Jewish days. I don't know if I've got it up here or not. I'll just look and see. I'll be back in a minute. We used to keep a little bottle of oil up here. It's probably still here. Now it's not purified like this holy oil. But it's a symbol. If somebody wanted to be anointed with oil, sometimes we go to houses, somebody calls for the elders. We've done that a few times over the years. Took a little bit of oil, put it on their head. Symbol of the Holy Ghost of God. 
But what's really good back in the Old Testament, the holy oil could only touch certain things, certain things he could not touch. But when it did touch something, it's consecrated, it's separated. It was dedicated to God. And he said, don't, don't mess it up. Be sure it's pure and stays separated. Especially the prophet, the priest, the king. And sometimes they lost their joy. They lost the luster because they're getting out of the will of God. And I'll close with David's statement after he committed adultery and murder. He said, restore unto me the joy of thy salvation. He didn't say restore this salvation. He said, restore unto me the joy of thy salvation. What a wonderful thought. A wonderful truth. He was anointed when he was a kid in his household of Jesse, his father. Later became the great king of Israel. A man after God's own heart. But he knew what it meant to walk with God. He was a man after God's own heart. He sinned grievously, but he was a great confessor and a great repenter. And God restored the joy to his life. May God help us to live right and do right. Let's stand together.